Okay, well, good morning, ladies. It's good to be with you. We'll go ahead and get started on our teaching. Um, my name's Katie Mensel. I'm the elementary pastor here at the OKC campus. So my um, target audience is normally like 8 to 10. So hopefully I'll use really simple words that everybody understands. Um, I may even have to use some callbacks if things get a little rowdy up here. Um, but I have loved this series, The One and Only. We've seen how Jesus is the suffering servant. He's the miracle worker. He's Messiah. He's King. And there truly is no one like Jesus, the one and only. Now, as someone who's pretty pro-Jesus and team Jesus, I've been kind of shocked how, um, how I've experienced this awe and this wonder, this intimacy with Jesus of looking at him as the one and only, looking at him through that lens of his uniqueness. I've caught myself just asking this question, who is this Jesus? And putting myself in the spot of his followers way back when, as they were just discovering who he was. Well, today we're going to look at another facet of Jesus's character. We're going to look at how Jesus is the healer. Now, you've had the opportunity to look in your homework at five different healings, physical healings, and we're going to look at a different one today. But before we do that, I thought we would just look at um, some of the general types of healings that Jesus provides. Now, this isn't meant to be an exhaustive list. You may be able to think of one or two more um, that you could throw up there. But first and foremost, Jesus provides spiritual healing. This is our greatest need that we have. We don't always live that way, but forgiveness of our sins, salvation for our souls, Jesus reminds us time and again, there is more going on than what meets the eye. There's a spiritual battle here, and he's concerned about your soul. Jesus offer, also offers physical healings. We see this all throughout the New Testament. I personally believe Jesus is still in the business of performing healings and, make, and making miracles. You know, it's not always on our timeline when we hope, but I think we can all think of a story that we heard where the doctor said it was hopeless, that there was no hope, but yet God intervened and brought healing to that person. Jesus also offers us relational healing. So again, first and foremost, with our Father in heaven, we were dead in sin, and he restored that relationship for us. But he also heals relationships right now here on earth. Um, he, when we invite Jesus to be the center of our marriages, um, of our friendships, of our relationships with our co-workers, Jesus can offer relational healing there. And then lastly, the one I wanted to focus on was emotional healing. Jesus can heal a broken heart. I've personally experienced that. And he can provide healing to past traumas and, and heartaches that have, been hap that have happened to you. So with a general overview of healings, um, we're going to look at a story today. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 7, and um, it's verses 11 through 17. I'm going to be reading the ESV version, um, so if you want to pull that up, you can, but I will have it on the screens. 
But uh, the author, Luke, of this story, he is a physician. Most scholars believe he was a physician. So I like to call him Dr. Luke, all right? I envision Dr. Luke in his office with his medical journals all piled behind him, with his yellow legal pads, um, taking his notes and, and comparing and contrasting them. And um, he was not an eyewitness to Jesus' life, uh, death, and resurrection, but he conducted very thorough interviews with people. Um, he is a researcher. He's got that, that detail-oriented spirit. Now, most scholars also believe that Luke used Mark's gospel when he was writing his gospel. And so there's a lot of overlap in the two of those, but Luke has some other gems. Think about the birth narrative of Jesus. We wouldn't know near what we know if it wasn't for Luke's gospel. And then today, this story is one of those, when Jesus raises a widow's son. And I I think, and I don't know this for sure, but since Luke was a doctor, I imagine he took a very um, special interest in the miracles, in the healings, in the things that defied logic. And I picture him thinking like, oh, well, they only have these two people raised from the dead in the other gospels, but I heard there's another one. And people have to know that he raised someone from the dead every single instance. And so with all of that context, let's look at the text. It is Luke chapter 7 and 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, and the bears stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Well, let's take it back from the top and break it down and dig a little bit deeper. So the first verse says, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Well, since the Bible tells us where this happened, let's go ahead and look at a map so we can get ourselves oriented with that. By the way, when Terry Fakes pulls out a map, people applaud, so I'm a little disappointed here. <laughs> thank you, thank you, you're gracious. Okay, so this is a zoomed-in map um, of Israel, modern-day Israel, all right? And so we can see down towards the bottom right here, I can get my little cursor going, that is Nain, where this miracle is taking place. And then um, if you read the story before, 
They're located up in the upper region of Galilee, specifically in Capernaum. Now, just one note is that Luke's gospel isn't trying to be extremely chronological. So the miracle that happened before in the text, it may or may not have been like directly preceding it. However, we know that Jesus was doing ministry up there in that area. And um, he, and so Capernaum is up here right at the top. So Capernaum is about 25 miles from Nain. And if you think about where we are right now, that would be like going down to more. And in our cars, that's a quick jot down the highway. Or if you run marathons in five hours or less, then that's not too bad of a trip for you. But back then, that would have been um, a several day journey at the pace that they would take. And so we see Jesus with this big crowd as he's just performed a miracle and he raised, he healed someone from afar. Okay, so it's a centurion's um, servant, and um, he, the centurion came to him, asked for healing, and he just said the word, and the person was healed. This was not heard of. This was like, people didn't do that. People touched people and healed and stuff, but he was able to just speak the words, and it happened. So that was a big deal. So it would be a big deal that he did that, and that's probably why he had a big crowd with him, why they were willing to spend several days, leave everything behind, and travel with him all the way down to Nain. So they get to Nain, and let's see what happens next. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. So we have Jesus and his crowd traveling down. And I imagine, you know, uh, when you go on a road trip, you're excited at the beginning. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, is this going to last forever? But then as you approach your destination, you get excited again. Okay, so they're excited. They're with Jesus. They're ready to see what happens next. But very quickly, a competing crowd enters in. And it's a very contrasting mood. This is a woman who's lost her only son. And she was a widow, which means she had already lost her husband. And so this crowd is probably loud, weeping, wailing, and devastated. And I imagine everyone's just kind of thinking like, well, what's going to happen next? And this just brings me to my first point that I want to show to you guys. And that is that when Jesus heals, it's personal. This woman, the fact that she was a widow, really her only hope was her son. If she had a son, he could take care of her. But without her son, who had died, she would be forced to beg on the streets, um, to sell her body just to get by. So it was a very dire situation, and Jesus cared about this. Now let's look at the next, um, next verse because it says, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. 
And if I was teaching to men right here, I would tell you um, that that's descriptive of the situation, not prescriptive. You never tell a mourning woman to weep, right? But because Jesus is Jesus, he can say that. Because he says he came up and he touched the beer, and that is, um, you know, not a cold beverage. That is the coffin that um, think of it as a stretcher um, with like handles and stuff, like an open casket. And the bears stood still, and he said, "Young man, I say to you, arise." And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. So Jesus had compassion on this woman. He saw her situation and he couldn't help but do something about it. Another translation says that his heart went out to her. And that phrase, the compassion, it's like this deep desire from down within you. And I'm sure you've all thought of a situation when you've gotten the phone call or you've seen a natural disaster or something going on around across the globe and you're like, I have to do something about that. And I do think that the woman's situation would have been enough for Jesus to get involved. But I also wonder if Jesus, if it wasn't even a little bit more personal for him because Jesus knew another widow who would be outside of a town gate, who would have a dead son. It was his mom, Mary. Most scholars believe she was a widow. And so I wonder that it may have been just even a little more personal for him. When you see that, um, the phrase, the only son of his mother, Well, because of our study, the one and only, the the only kind of popped out to me. And it is actually the word that's used in John 3.16, which has been the whole um, basis of this study. But I thought about there was only one Jesus. Like, yes, Mary had other sons, but she only had one Jesus. And as a parent of multiple children, I have four of them, I know that for me, there's only one Molly. There's only one Chloe, there's only one Lila, and there's only one Emily. And yes, I realize I have too many kids to make that as poignant as I would have hoped, but you know, we'll go with it. So we see that Jesus shows compassion. And another thing about it being personal is that Jesus was willing to um, go across all the cultural norms of the time to get to this woman, okay? Uh, She was a woman, he shouldn't have been talking to her. Culturally speaking, that was unheard of. He, um, He went to a dead body. So Jesus is a teacher. He was a rabbi. He was um, in the synagogues teaching. When you touched a dead body, that made you unclean for seven days. I mean, unless you knew the person, you normally weren't willing to get into it. And so we see that when Jesus could have just taken his crowd and ran the other way, he enters in and he doesn't care about the cultural norms and he touches her and he talks to a dead person. That again, I mean, think about if you were at a funeral and someone started just talking to a dead person, like that would have been very culturally unaccepted. And so that just goes to show again that when Jesus healed, it's personal. Well, the next thing I want to look at is that when Jesus heals, it's prophetic. The fact that Jesus heals is prophetic in and of itself. 
Um, there were tons of Old Testament prophecies um, that talked about what the Messiah would look like, what Jesus would look like. Um, there was a particular prophet, Isaiah, and that just means that he was speaking God's word. He was, um, you know, God's mouthpiece for his word. And Isaiah says in chapter 35, verses 5 through 6, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing from joy. So the fact that he was healing was prophetic. But in this particular passage, there's something else going on here. Um, in the last verse on this slide, it says, The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. That phrase, gave him to his mother, is the same phrase that is used in a different healing in the Old Testament. It's from 1 Kings chapter 17. And there was a prophet, Elijah, which we're about to learn all about. So this is getting you set up for good. Um, but Elijah raised a widow's son back to life. And so the crowd would have seen, okay, Jesus is raising someone back to life. This is something we've heard of before. And their response kind of shows us of this. Their response was that fear seized them. And they glorified God saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And so when Jesus heals, it's prophetic. Now the last thing that I want us to look at is that when Jesus heals, it's purposeful. So if we put on our good um, investigative journalism hats, kind of like Dr. Luke, and we look at the who, the what, the where, the when, the why of this story, and several of these we've already kind of covered, when we look at the who, and it was personal. It was the widow's son. We look at the what, the raising someone from the dead. So he had spoke and healed someone, but now this person had died. And this is the first time that they would have heard of something like that since the prophets of the Old Testament. And then the where, location, 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 right? In real estate, if any, there's any real estate agents out, agents out there. Well, here's our map again. And I want to, I zoomed out so that you could see. Jesus had been up here in Galilee and Capernaum was where that story was. And he traveled down to Nain. And then the position of Nain is on these three different shaded territories, so this location of this miracle seems very purposeful because from that, that last verse in our passage says, this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. So look back at that. Judea is all the way down here and it's spread all throughout the surrounding country. And then the when. We know that God's timing is perfect. Jesus was on a mission. He was playing a long game. He was going and setting his heart to the cross. So you know that sometimes people, Jesus said, he would heal people and he would say, go tell everybody. And sometimes Jesus would heal people and he said, don't tell anybody. Jesus was purposeful in every single miracle and healing that he performed because he had a mission. 
And then lastly, the why. And that is, you know, for all the reasons we just said, right? I mean, the answer is yes, all of the above. And so I think to different varying degrees, all of these were the reason, the why, that he performed this particular miracle at this time. And so in conclusion, when you read this story, there's nothing really overtly spiritual about it. There's no um, forgiveness of sins. There's no... um, your faith has made you well, or come follow me, that sort of thing, or spreading it everywhere. But um, if you, what I love about this story is that if you read back through it with the lens of the greater salvation story, your personal salvation story, it really just comes to life and becomes particularly meaningful and a blessing. So when you consider that you were there dead in your sin. I mean, you you weren't dead, but you were spiritually dead. But Jesus saw you. He had compassion on you. His heart went out to you and he came to you and he touched your heart and he said, wake up, get up, come back to life. And then and he saw our condition and he didn't turn the other way and leave us unclean. No, he entered into it with us. And then that phrase he gave us to his mother that we talked about. He gave us to his father, right? He gave us to our father. He calls us sister. He adopts us into the family of God. God is now our father. And so what's our response for this great gift? What's to be, uh, to have awe, to have wonder, to for fear to seize us, to glorify God, to tell people what he's done in our life, that a great prophet is, is here. He's doing it right now. God is with his people. Jesus, the one and only Emmanuel, he's with his people right here. And so I want you, again, to just think through these different types of healings that Jesus offers. And I want you to consider which one is the most meaningful to you. Where is something that you could share with others in your circles, in your community, in your homes, in your jobs? And so go and you speak God's word. You tell people that God has visited this place. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for all the healing that you've offered us. First and foremost, the spiritual healing, Lord, the forgiveness of sins, that when we trust you, when we align ourselves to you and your word and we follow you, we become alive, alive in Christ, Lord, with a new mission to spread your word. I thank you for every lady here, Lord, that has received your word. And I pray that it will stay with them in their discussions and throughout their days. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.